Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Write or Die Show. I am your host, Randy Lee Boslaw. On today's episode, our guest is Mark Anthony Rains. So welcome, Mark. I'm so excited for you to be on the show. Hello, how are you? I am great. And where are you joining us from? A place called Holsevy, which is in Devon, which is in England, a far away, long swim from America. <laughs> well, I'm in Canada, but yeah, very close to America. <laughs> well, well, across the border distance. then. Yeah. Distance. Um, and what time is it for you then? It's uh, just got one o'clock in the afternoon. So I've just had me dinner. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I just had my breakfast. Let's get to it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, my name is Mark Anthony Rains. I am a author, blogger, YouTuber, cartoonist, singer. Sometimes I like to do a bit of comedy. Uh, um, oh, uh, Near-death experiencer. And I do a podcast called Ghost Man radio station which i present produce and put everywhere i can think of in the universe oh very cool and what's that about uh basically i do um a, it's a combination of things i do interviews book readings horror hosting and generally what i feel like doing really whatever counts my fancy nice. i don't i've been doing a lot of doctor who old episodes lately so I've actually never seen any Doctor Who. <laughs> I heard it's good, but I never watched any of it. That's all right. You never watched it. There's no point in explaining it to me. No, no, no. That's, it sounds complicated. It does. Um, so let's hop to it. What mental health have you dealt with in your life? Well, I've dealt with various things in my life. I've had chronic depression. Uh, I've had OCD for a long time. I have paranoid thoughts which uh, can go be a bit, it, it doesn't, it, when the worst ones come, get um, verbally aggressive and sometimes I might hit a wall or throw something, but I don't, never hurt anybody as such, but it can be very frightening. Let's first talk about, well, we'll start with the first one you talked about, depression, chronic depression. When did you first notice that you were experiencing that? Well, basically, I, I think I was going in and never, um, I was, uh, I didn't have my first girlfriend because I've only had two women in my life, my first girlfriend and my wife I'm married to now. And um, we broke up and I didn't cope with it very well at the time. And uh, during that breakup period, I did try to commit suicide twice. Wow. And would you be and willing got... to share how you... Yeah, I basically used the tablets, taking too many tablets. I mean, I, obviously, I chickened out. I phoned the, the ambulance like the first time. Okay. And the second time when I went in, they uh, said, uh, the uh, one of the nurses come in and said, you you have to be careful about this because it can come have it for me. That oh. If you're not coping with something, you can sort of like commit, go to that option and opt out of life, a bit like taking drugs or whatever yeah well i'm glad that you called the ambulance and i wouldn't say that that was chickening out i would describe that more as asking for help which is an important step when you're dealing with that kind of thing 
Yeah, I quite agree because um, that's the one thing that we need to do because of um, the recent thing we're in the pandemic at the moment. We're in the pandemic blues, as I call them. Oh, that's. I nice. think we're all learning. We're all learning now to talk a bit more about how we feel more than we used to because we're always stuck in a rut of working, and when you're working, you don't. You tend to think that you can. You're in control. Obviously, you're not because we tend to put things back in our subconscious. And all that all you need is a trigger, and that's why I like to tell people that when they say, "Oh, I've never have suffered a mental health," I said, "Well, you haven't had that trigger yet that's pushed you over the edge. We've all got it. Everyone's got it. It's yeah. just you don't know what it's going to be. It could be the death of your loved one or member of family, or you could have a string of events all seeming at once, and that could just push you over this edge. Finally, you know, you don't have to go as far as I try to, but mm-hmm. yeah." But that, at the time, that's how you feel. You feel overwhelmed. So you're thinking, I'm so overwhelmed, I've got to find a way out. So I can understand how people feel at that time. Yeah. Obviously, I would say to anybody listening, go and talk to someone, anybody, your friend or one of those services available in your country. Just talk because it's better to get out of your head than stay in your head. Yes, that is a great way to put it. Ask, getting help, asking for help is one of the hardest things I think for people to do, but it's also one of the most courageous things to do. Yes, yeah, very true. I think it, it's a it's the one thing we don't like doing as human beings. Mm-hmm. We we know we're in trouble. We put our head in the sand like ostriches, and we're hoping yeah. it all go away, but it never does. It never goes away because. The only person that can ever deal with your problems is you. you. I always think you could get all the help in the world. Don't matter who you are, you can off, get offered all the help. But if you don't want to really do anything, you're not willing to put the work in. It, it's never going to go anywhere. That's why some people always end up in a never-ending circle. It's not their fault. It's just their way they've adapted to things. They, that's how they cope. Yeah, they haven't quite got to the point where they're willing, like you said, willing to do the work and willing to accept responsibility to do the work for themselves. Yes. All right. So then next you talked about OCD. And, but for those listening right now who maybe don't know what it means, can you first tell us what it is, what the acronym is, and explain how you experience that? Obsessive or compulsive disorder it's basically where um let's i'll give you an example your car's locked you go to your car you check the you check the key you check the door you go away you go back check the car checks the door check the key and you may go back again the third time you're not quite ocd yet that's not ocd it's when you go back 20 30 times checking the same thing doing the same like it's not necessarily related to cleaning, although that's the most known one. Obviously, that's the most yeah. known co- condition of OCD is, but it, it can come in so many forms. You know, like uh, you have to get up at four o'clock every morning, otherwise you don't get up at that time. Something will happen, or if you don't do one thing this day, if you don't read the paper exactly at six oh six in the in the day, that something will happen in the world that's the sort of thing you think obviously doesn't 
but in your brain it becomes a it, it's like um just it will circle you know it, it, it the fault develops and then it goes round yeah and it goes round again and around again and you even though you can try to break the circle with cognitive therapy or meditation or breathing exercises unless you know your triggers if you know your triggers you can avoid them i know people say you should face your triggers but i'm a great believer in sometimes why put yourself under all that stress you know if you know it's going to cause you stress i mean obviously you're going to get it unknowingly get an ocd moment but uh, you may not get it as bad you know the ocd because um it it um it's that it it it, it's controlling you instead of you controlling it yeah that's a good point i read um i read a book it was it was actually Teresa's book who i think she's episode three or four something like that her episode was posted and her main character had ocd and that can the character's compulsion was when they stepped out of the shower, they had to step in and out, in and out, in and out. I think it was four times, maybe if I'm remembering right. And that was their compulsion. So it's not, like I said, it, it, it's something that can be totally random. Like you don't necessarily know, but it's just, you feel, and that's why it's compulsive, right? You feel this compelling thing in your brain to make you do this or else you can't move on with your life. And uh, most extreme cases can end up in a a care home for mentally ill people. Because I used to work in mental health, and we had a couple extreme cases of OCD where somebody washed themselves, and literally their skin was that red raw because they had to keep washing themselves continuously. Uh, and that's not very nice. Be very careful. Yeah. What, yeah, again, another another thing you should should admit to, yeah, like try to talk to someone about it. Yeah, those most doctors will dismiss it at first. Oh, okay. So, what was your compulsive behaviors? Uh, mine was basically uh, making sure switches are on. I, I if I go out, I, because I have uh, bladder problems, I have to know where the toilets are. Because mm. I have to know, I plan my day. I have, even look at buildings and suss up where the toilets are. I know it sounds strange, but you know what it's it, like. It you know, sounds strange to me because I do that too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's the sort of thing you're thinking. Well, if I go there, that's library. That's got a toilet. If I go to town, it should be. To and of course, during the pandemic, everything shuts. I know. I was actually <laughs> about to say that. You beat me to it. Right now I'm like, okay, I need to go here and here, but maybe I need to come home in between because there's nowhere to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and how did you, how did you deal with your uh, OCD? Well, I'm still dealing with it day to day, I just, but I, I dealt with it better because I went on a course to do with OCD and how to use mindfulness. That's a good technique is mindfulness, basically. You look at a clock and you look how the clock the clock hand moves. You put all your concentration on the clock hand moving slowly and you look at it moving. And while you're concentrating on that, the faults aren't so bad. And you're also using meditation apps like meditate for about a minute 
or two minutes. I don't do it too long because then it, that becomes a habit. You see, you've got to be so careful with OCD. Things don't come a habit. That's true. I never thought of that before because a lot, there's so many different coping skills out there. And like the meditation is a big one that a lot of people talk about. But I never thought about it before how you could turn that into your new compulsive behavior. We can do because it, it, it's so easy, isn't it? If you think, well, if I meditate five minutes every day, and oh my God, the, the apps come down. How can I meditate today? Oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. Because yeah. they're all app based, aren't they? they can't, unless you've got a, your own secret CD you've made up somewhere of meditation music. Yeah. Nice thing is now there's tons of different apps with different meditations on there that you can usually download for free. Yeah, I, I recommend just do one for free. It's at no point um, buying one. Just get there's quite a lot of good breathing exercises on online. Yeah. But you know, just going uh, was it four four in and eight out, something like that. Yeah, that's one of the ones that I really like. And actually, uh, I think on my Fitbit there's a there's a breathing. That, yeah, relax. And I can set it for two or five minutes and it will just take me through breathing exercises. So it's so accessible nowadays. It should be. It should be accessible because mental health shouldn't be a stigma. It's become, a, it, it became a stigma. Now it's not such a stigma because people are made to talk about it, but it's because people can't see your ill. Yes. Well, I use a crutch so they can see I've got a problem with my physical abilities. Mm -hmm. And even then you get judged immediately. Immediately you walk with a crutch, they think you're incapable of doing anything. Have you yeah. noticed that? If you're in a wheelchair or you carry a frame or you carry a stick, they presume you can't do nothing. It's they presume true, yeah. you go home and go like a zombie. And you think, well, I can do this, do that, but if I told you, you wouldn't believe me anyway. So what's the point? True. Because <laughs> yeah. I used I used to do um, karate uh, at local karate club, and um, and I I got to my green belt, but due to the pandemic, I stopped, and I don't want to go back at the moment because of the pandemic. Because yeah. it's an inside building, I just worry a bit because I'm at that eight, I'm nearly sixty, so I've got to worry about it. Oh, and that's my great. wife's got uh, disability problems as well, so so we're classified techniques vulnerable people, but we try yeah. not to think about that. Yeah, and I like the point that you said. Like it was mental health was super stigmatized before. Like we sometimes, my husband and I will talk about how you know if this was fifty years ago because our child has autism, there's a good chance that they would have just you know fifty years ago shipped them off to the to the home and not even thought about them anymore which is really sad like I adore my child don't get me wrong most days <laughs> but and then it became it's less stigmatized now but I think that it's also stigmatized in a different way because people especially OCD specifically people will say oh I'm so OCD but it's not OCD you're not it's not interrupting your day-to-day -day life you just you know right now in this moment you feel like you need to clean the whole house my kid, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll always go when I'm cleaning, he'll always go, oh, you're so OCD about it. I'm like, no, I'm really not. Like, this is not interrupting my day. This is what I, you know, I'm going to do right now because I need to clean. But 
it's not a compulsion I'm feeling right now. So how does that make you feel if when you hear somebody talk about, oh, I have OCD, but it's not really OCD. They're just kind of making a joke about it. I, I sort of think to myself, well, if they actually did the study, I wouldn't mind. It's like everything. It's like, I, I think lately I found that people don't take grief very, they, it's like, um, as you know, Prince, Prince Philip died over here recently. And a lot of people have been slagging that off saying, oh, well, why are they covering it? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? I think it's a human being at the end of the day. He had, yeah. a, he had a wife, he had kids, he had everything. I mean, it's like everything. If I don't like someone, fine. I won't slag them off about their burial or funeral. I just won't go. That's yeah. what I won't do. I won't do that because I was learned to be, bring up, be respectful. I just don't like that attitude that younger, I don't know if it's just younger people, you might be just me, that this attitude of death doesn't matter anymore, seems yeah. to be coming across more. Perhaps it's just me as I get older, just picking up on it, I don't know. Yeah, it could be that too. All right, and finally, you talked about paranoid thoughts. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think it stems back. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I think it stems back to when I was at school. Because when I was at school, I was made to go back a year, uh, kept a year back, me and this other girl, and we were brought into the office to see the headmistress. We was told about this. And ever since then, I've always felt that I've been able, been catching up on education and social skills and everything else that, Everybody takes of normal. That's what I think. And then if I see that something's wrong, I feel it's against me. And that's my paranoid fault. It's always against me, myself, nobody else, just me. Yeah. And um, as I say, it gets to little, it's like a little worm playing in your head, like eating away. And then slowly and slowly it can build up, build up until you get beyond that point. You can't control it anymore yeah. and it comes full blown as i said before uh verbal uh, verbal abuse quite nasty comments you know not quite nasty stuff and you can throw things and that can cause quite frightening i know quite some time ago i got a bit like that and uh, one of the carers was in to see my wife and obviously i scared her a bit I did apologise. I didn't say why it was. And, you know, I wasn't yeah. proud of myself. But that made me wake up a bit. It gave me a wake-up call. Well, no, people said you should have had a wake-up call before that. But as you know, and I, through your own experience of autism in your family, you know you can cope with your autistic kid brilliantly because you know what's going to happen. Yeah. For someone stranger who doesn't know your kid, don't take this wrong, they see oh. the behaviour and they go, oh, my God, what's happening there? They freak oh, out, yeah. don't they? They freak out, they just can't handle it. Bad parent. Yeah. So I that's think that's what it is. I think it's, it's just saying when it's your family, they put up with it. And when it's a stranger, they don't. And yeah. I just I just needed that wake-up call. And then I just think to myself, look, if you're thinking like that, why are you thinking like that? And I could stop, think, stop myself. I count to 10 a bit. You know, you go oh, one. Good. So a bit like anger control. 
same similar kind of method. Yeah. 90% of the time, 90% of the time it does work. I mean, if it works, it works. I don't knock it. Yeah, exactly. And when did you first start experiencing paranoid thoughts? I think when I was quite young, I think um, I used to get them quite a lot. It's, I think I got them right when I started work because I used to think I wasn't good enough and stuff like that. I just don't think I recognised them then. I just think I just put, put it down to having a bad day or because the anxiety will build up, see? It's like a it's like a a bomb where you suck you suck things in like a sponge. And suddenly mm-hmm. the sponge has got full of full of full and it's got to explode and it just it's like a vast explosion. Because normally I'm quite a calm mannered person. So when okay. I do explode it's quite scary. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's more scarier than if you that kind of person 24-7. Yeah, it's like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of thing. Yeah, almost a similar type of thing. So I think I think that was probably written about uh, someone with schizophrenia originally. I don't think it was based on the monster. I think it was like a form of expressing what schizophrenia felt like to the person. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I've never read the original version I've just seen you know all the remake kind of movies about it but it sounds like it would be I think it fits I think it fits yeah yeah all right so we've talked you've already shared a bunch of your coping mechanisms you've talked about counting to 10 breathing meditation um so is there any other coping mechanisms that you use that you found really, really helpful for any of the various things you've experienced? Well, I do. Uh, I'm doing uh, I do a lot of cartoon drawing. Um, uh, some time ago, my friend of mine does a online magazine called Gonzo Weekly. And um, he, I said to him, oh, would you mind if would you like a cartoon? And he said, yeah, go on, go ahead. And I, oh, I was, you know. He lets me put a cartoon in, so technically unpublished. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, I, so I, I, it's nice to be published. So, you know, it's at the back of the magazine, but hey, I don't care. It's in there. But, yeah. um, it's nice to think of a subject matter. It's like I, you can think of a subject, something comes up, and you're thinking, oh, I can try and do, look at a cartoon about that. And you try to think of something and just put it out there, and people like it, they like it, they, you know. It's art is a subject matter, isn't it? It, it? One man's art is another man's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You look at modern art and you think, I don't like that. <laughs> Some people look at the old art and think, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And what would you tell somebody who's listening right now um, and dealing with their own mental health? What would you tell them to do? I'd tell them to be more honest with themselves. I take it that what I used to tell my clients when I used to be mental ill, I used to think, I used to tell them, think that you're not, you've got, there's a ladder and put one to 10, 10 being your greatest day you ever had, one being the shittiest day you ever had. And then write it down every day in a little diary, you know, bad day, good day. And then look back in the, the week and go, oh, I had more good days than I thought. Because sometimes you because we always as a a species we always like to look at the negative side of life most of the time, and I think because I think that's taught in us. I think I think a little bit of that is in school and 
pro television, things like that. I think we built negative thoughts. Well, that's my theory. Uh, but um, I think that when you look big, look back at a, a month or a week, you'll go, oh, I only had two really bad days. That wasn't too bad for me. And obviously, go out there and talk about it. There's always someone out there who's going to willing to listen. If it's not to say at the moment because of the pandemic, it might be hard to get hold of mental uh, places or places you can talk. But there's yeah. always a close friend that you know you can trust completely would never mm -hmm. say nothing to nobody. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, online services available as well to use. So, and every country is a little bit different. Um, I can only speak from what we have here, but at least where I am, all of our mental health services, they have one online. So all of the like crisis services and stuff, you can either phone in, phone has always been around, um, or go online and chat right online with somebody. That's very true. So, of course, we're getting pretty much at the end of the interview. You've got such great experience. Now, what books have you written? Well, I have written quite a few books. So, uh, I have done the following books. Some of them are mostly, most of them are obviously horror-based. But the one, I'll tell you the one I like to promote the most in a minute. There's one called The Vampire. One's called Plot. There's one where I do my, you can look at my cartoons. Oh, nice. Uh, Just a Nightmare. One I wrote about time travel. Time travel is happening as, as we are existing. Tales the Unexpected, Dead, Prisoner X, Daydreaming, Epic Tales. And the book I like to promote the most is my, of, of Obviously, my autobiography, because it's not horror based. I know I appreciate not everybody's into horror, so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the book is called Diary of an S. Essex Weirdo. The why I wrote this book is basically because I've got a thing called small vessel disease of the brain, oh. which most people get when they get like, a bit older than me, but I'm a bit, too, a bit young for it. Basically, what it means, it affects your cognitive skills like memory and speech and whatever. And I thought, well, if ever my short time memory goes, at least I've written a little bit about my life. Good point. So that sort of inspired me to write it. I think I sent you a copy. Yes, I was about to say that. So I do have a copy. I have not had a chance to read it yet. But when I do, I will be posting a review on my blog and sharing that with everybody. So make sure that you, of course, stay tuned to the Facebook page, our YouTube channel, all of that fun stuff, because I am always doing book reviews for everybody. Um, and I am looking forward to reading that. And maybe after that, I got to get some of your horror stuff because I love horror stuff. <laughs> That's mine. Yeah, I normally I do it two ways. I normally do it audio version. Oh, I dress up. I I I warn you, it does involve clowns. Oh no. <laughs> Some people don't like clowns, so I've, I thought I warn people in advance. It does does involve a clown mask. So <laughs> if you don't like clowns, do not watch it. If <laughs> if I make her do an extra extract from my book. Okay. I think I'm sort of indifferent to clowns. I find them creepy, but I'm not full on scared of them. So I think I should be okay. Right, I'm gonna do an extract from uh, chapter one 
This is chapter one from my book, Diary of an S. Essex Widow, by myself, Mark Anthony Rains, and here it goes. So you may be thinking why this person decided to write this book, Life, his life in a book that's going to be a form of a diary. Well, I have small vessel disease of the brain, which affects my cognitive skills like memory. I was born on Sunday 13th of May, 1962. My parents, Tony and Barbara Rains, at Rutford Hospital in Essex. At the time, they lived in Marysnet, but moved at uh, Credit, and this is where I stayed most of my life, 30 years of my life. I have only vague memories of my childhood. I have to credit my late mother, Barbara Ann Rains, helped me fill in the gaps. I liked to play in a milk float when little, in the back garden. When I attended school at Lady of the Lords, Manchester Drive, I was quite shy to the extent when I was asked to play the role of Mark Anthony for a club play, I refused to kiss the girl and ran out of the school. I remember all the girls wearing white plimsolls, Mark Bolin, or T-Rex in black ink. At the time, I had a rice crispy cake for pudding and a bit into it and chipped my tooth. Now I come to an event that affected my life more than I know how now. I had the time to reflect on it. Along with, I, along with a girl whose name I did not remember, were called to the headmistress office to be informed we were back being kept back a year for reasons I also forgot. Anyway, to cut to the chase, it meant I always playing catch-up. My granddad worked as a caretaker at my primary school. We would visit our grandparents on a semi-regular basis. One trip on the way home, it turned. I turned away goodbye and walked headfirst into the lamppost. My head had a tennis ball bump, lump, which really hurt. Later in life, one of the hardest things I had to do was to turn my dad's then years later, my mum's funeral, my dad's funeral, brings back a few bad memories. This is when I had a major fallout. My oldest sister walked out of the car before the journey to South End on Sea Crenadorium, shadowed me the funeral car. I made her carry my carrier bag into the service and awake. I felt like shit. If my niece had been there, I would have left. My funeral was determined to save some words about how much I missed her. I bottled out my dad's. The thing I did not like, I did the things I did not. Like was my sister's boyfriend keeping on, on about me not going on too far due to my illness. And it's constantly going on about gold radio. That's an excerpt from the book. Nice. Oh my goodness. Bumping as you can see, like as, as you can see, I, I try to keep a bit of my humour in it. Yeah. You know, just my problems. Which is good. You gotta you gotta laugh at yourself sometimes. Not like in a mean way, but just like oh, oh. yeah, yeah. And you where- have to because if you don't. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, where can people find your books? Uh, on Amazon. Uh, I'm on Amazon. Uh, just look me up, Mark Anthony Rains, R A I N E S. Anthony without the H is A N T, not A H N T H. I don't. I spell it in the common way. That. A-T-H is a posh way. I don't spell it in posh. Oh, okay. And you can find my blog, which is called Ghostman. I'm on YouTube as Mark Anthony Rains, a.k.a. Ghostman. And obviously my podcast, which is available on Red Circle Podcasts, Pub- Red Republic, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube. And on my blog, it's called Ghostman Radio Station. It's co- I call it popcorn for the brain. You might try a bit like it and try a bit more excellent and i will have all of those links down below in the description so make sure that you show mark uh some love there and click and follow him and any last words that you have for anybody 
Well, yeah, well, this is what I normally do, Randy. When I have my interviews, I always say to people, what is your unique sign-off? So, Randy, this is my unique sign-off for you. Today, I spoke to Randy Lee from Kennedy for many miles away. I had to wake her up at 8 o'clock because the Canada was not broke, you see. She said to me, it doesn't mind. I'll be there, you see. I'm only half awake and had a cup of cookie just for you to be there. And I said, that's okay. I'll have a talk and a nap and a chat. We talked some serious stuff and that. But it's okay to mention that you have a mental health problem. It doesn't mean you're mad. I think of Spike Minigan when he used to say in his grave, I told you I was ill. That is fantastic. Did you just come up with that on the spot? Yeah, just thought, yeah, to come up with that as well. I love it. That is the best sign off ever. So on that awesome note, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope everybody enjoyed that episode, enjoyed listening to Mark share very honestly about all of his experiences. Of course, the links to follow him are down below in the description, so make sure you go check him out. As well, subscribe to the channel, show us some love here at Write or Die, and remember that the only way to end the stigma with mental health is to speak openly and honestly.